You are listening to a podcast from The National. There's a growing sense of unease in the Middle East, as tensions between Iran and the United States soar. Since US President Donald Trump marked the anniversary of pulling America out of the 2015 Iran nuclear deal on May 8th, the two countries have been trading increasingly fiery statements in press conferences and on Twitter. And suddenly, everyone's asking the question, will there be a war? This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, James Haynes-Young, the National's foreign editor. And this week, we're discussing what's next for Iran and the US. At the start of May, U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton announced the deployment of the USS Lincoln Carrier Group to the Arabian Gulf. He cited Iranian threats and said they would be met with unrelenting force. Days later, four vessels, two Saudi, one Norwegian and one UAE flagged, were sabotaged off the coast of the UAE near Fajera. An investigation into the incident is ongoing. There's been a flurry of U.S. diplomatic activity, but on May 16th, Saudi Arabia said it believes Iran gave the orders for Houthi rebels in Yemen to launch an attack on two oil facilities in the centre of the kingdom, just days earlier. Amid the heated comments flying around, the Yemeni rebels have also stepped up rocket attacks, launching several projectiles across the border into Saudi Arabia. In Baghdad, an unidentified group fired a rocket into the secured diplomatic centre known as the Green Zone, close to the US embassy. The incident came four days after America pulled all non-essential staff from the country. Leaders on both sides have said they don't want a war, but they're making it clear that they're willing to fight one if the other starts it. Donald Trump said as much on May 21st. I think Iran would be making a very big mistake if they did anything. If they do something, it'll be met with great force, but we have no indication that they will. On the other hand, Iran has said it's not the right time for talks. And on the same day that Trump warned the American response, President Hassan Rouhani said US sanctions and threats wouldn't make them change course. Sari. Rouhani saying, our actions are an emphatic answer to those who think they can force the Iranians to bow under pressure. The Iranian nation will never bow. So with pressure high and neither side willing to step down, or it seems sit for talks, where does this leave the Middle East? I'm joined by Joyce Karam the National's Washington correspondent, to talk about the latest developments and the possible routes to calm the situation. So Joyce, tell me about the view from D.C. of the current tensions. Uh, it seems the U.S., uh, you know, since May 5 and John Bolton's uh, statement is uh, setting the scene for two uh, tracks uh, with Iran, uh, either negotiations with the leadership in, uh, in Tehran or uh, an escalation and deterrence of Iranian uh, actions in, in the region. Uh, that's We've seen it on the ground. Uh, this is illustrated in uh, increased uh, U.S. naval uh, presence in the Gulf of uh, Oman, uh, two U.S. warships, uh, bombers are, are, are in the region. So uh, in a sense, uh, what I see from here is uh, the U.S. President Donald Trump is almost trying to copy his uh, playbook with, uh, with North Korea, uh, increase uh, the pressure on, uh, on the leadership as he did in uh, 2017 with North Korea. You know, the talk about fire and fury at the same time, uh, you know, open, open the door for talks uh, with, 
with that leadership. We've seen two summits between uh, the White House and uh, North Korea. But we haven't seen a breakthrough yet with with North Korea on its nuclear program. We haven't seen uh, a breakthrough. And uh, the tension with Iran, it doesn't look that it's... uh, 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 receding uh, at all. I mean, what we've seen is more uh, Houthi uh, attacks at uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, what we've seen in uh, Fujairah. Uh, so far, you know, a lot of fingers are being pointed at Iran. Uh, the attack uh, on the green zone in, uh, in Baghdad, all of these are signs of uh, uh, escalation. They also uh, drive uh, the risk uh, higher for uh, miscalculation. And uh, as I mentioned, when you have increased U.S. naval uh, presence in the region, that definitely can act uh, as a deterrence. But at the same time, it also increases uh, the risk of uh, miscalculation uh, because you have uh, so many rivals, so many uh, powers in, in, in the same waters. And if anything goes wrong, uh, we could see unintended uh, consequences uh, whereby, you know, of course, uh, even if uh, the U.S. president uh, says, I don't want war, uh, even if he doesn't want uh, to go down the mil- military uh, path uh, with Iran, he may be forced to do it if a miscalculation uh, happens on the ground. Donald Trump isn't somebody who up until now, has been advocating for for more conflict. In fact, he's been talking about withdrawing U.S. troops from from overseas. Absolutely. I mean, this is a guy who who came to power. Uh, His major uh, views that we knew uh, about foreign policy beforehand were he opposed the Iraq war. Uh, He slammed uh, the Obama administration for the Libya uh, intervention. Uh, He is more of an isolationist, if you want to talk, you know, about foreign policy. As you mentioned, he wants to leave uh, Syria. Uh, He's a little upset with his uh, advisors, uh, mainly uh, John Bolton and uh, uh, Mike Pompeo, uh, over how uh, they handled the situation in Venezuela. Uh, So Trump does not exactly fit uh, the narrative of an interventionist uh, president. However, when we talk about Iran, it's a different uh, security debate. Uh, And in his interview with Fox News, uh, you know, he said, I will not let Iran uh, obtain a nuclear weapon. So with the clock ticking on uh, Iran uh, possibly uh, backing down on its commitments in the nuclear deal in July, Uh, If it does increase enrichment, that does open the door uh, to different uh, scenarios, to to, to different uh, uh, security calculus by the U.S. or uh, regional uh, countries to uh, stop Iran from obtaining a uh, nuclear uh, weapon. Uh, But, I mean... For you, for example, in in Abu Dhabi, I mean, how does it uh, how does it look there? Do do you feel the there is a higher uh, risk for confrontation? Do you feel there is uh, uh, more tension since the Fujairah attack? Yeah, I think um, I mean definitely we've seen a lot more um, Houthi activity in terms of rockets directed to Saudi Arabia. We've seen threats of hitting targets in the UAE and um, you know in Saudi as well. Um, it's pretty close to Iran as well, so there's definitely tension. 
Um, but I mean, we heard from um, Minister of State for Foreign Affairs, Anwar Gargash, last week, where he was really kind of trying to lay out um, the need for kind of cooler heads and for people to to take a sort of step back from um, some of the kind of uh, hotter statements. We are very committed to uh, to de-escalation. We are very committed to uh, peace and uh, stability. Uh, because, you know, I, th- I think everybody really realizes after years of conflict in the Middle East, um, you know, Iraq just got out of... of um, sort of five years almost of of its fight against ISIS. We've had Syria now raging over eight years. Libya um, is still, you know, it's going through another period of, of um, instability. So I don't think anybody is, is looking for a conflict. And I think that is probably one of the defining um, things about this moment is that I don't think anybody wants to see an all-out war with Iran. Um, and I don't think they even want a major um, conflict with any of um, the Iranian-backed um, proxies uh, more so than, than it is already happening. We are also in this difficult, I would say, s- regional situation to a large extent because of Iranian behavior. I mean, whatever we can say, Iranian behavior is at the center of various, various regional issues. And definitely, it is this led, this behavior that has led to uh, the difficult conditions and situations. So I think... Um, it's tense, but I don't think anybody is looking for it to uh, to get worse. I mean, I do agree that I, I think that's where the uh, Arab summit could could come into play. Right. right. Uh, you know, do regional powers want to be on the table in any U.S.-Iranian uh, talks? Uh, will it open the door for negotiations or will it also be uh, a cover uh, for more escalation? Mm-hmm. I, I think these are questions that we don't have. Uh, answers uh, to yet, but also, definitely, I know, think Trump- on that actually mm-hmm. talking about the upcoming talks in Saudi Arabia, um, I think you know again coming back to Dr. Gargash, he he's been quite vocal on the mistake that the Arab League made in um, excluding Syria at the beginning of its conflict um, because it basically shut the Arabs out of the conversation about any kind of peace peace agreement um, and left it up to the UN in Geneva that has been largely unsuccessful and now is basically left it to to Russia and Turkey and Iran um, to decide the future of Syria. So I think in this case, um, I think that, that the Arab League is going to try and take a, a, a bigger role um, because of their experience of the last few years where they haven't um, had that say. So so we could see something interesting coming out of, of Saudi Arabia um, uh, in a few weeks. Uh, when and and when you yeah and when we talk about the Trump uh, administration about the regional uh, countries uh, the where their views uh, converge on uh, on Iran is perhaps uh, wanting to address the the regional uh, role of Iran right. that they see uh, has not been uh, addressed in the nuclear deal signed in 2015. Uh, so it, it, we might see talks, and that's just speculation, uh, I think, at this point. Uh, but we might see talks that also involve, you know, Iran's role uh, in Iraq, in in, in Yemen, in uh, in the larger uh, Middle East, mm-hmm. and not just about its uh, uh, nuclear program because and this is a key difference i think between the debate we see in washington and the debate we see uh, in the region there is no regional security debate happening in the u.s uh, mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. now it's more uh, pro-trump anti-trump during the obama days it was just about the 
uh, nuclear uh, program. Whereas when you and you you're you are uh, you would know this better. But I feel when you're in the region, you do see uh, a more robust debate on what Iran uh, is doing uh, about proxy wars in the region that would need to be uh, addressed you know, at, at the same table definitely, definitely. Uh, with the nuclear talks. I mean, I think that's definitely um, something that is, is talked about a lot here, partly because um, many of the states are, are living with the reality of that. You hear a lot from uh, opposition, uh, people opposition to Hezbollah in Lebanon, talking about the reality of, of living in a country that, that has Hezbollah as a part of the state. Uh, I mean, if you talk to the Yemeni government, they're dealing with... Um, with the Houthi rebels. So that's definitely something that, that is a reality for Iraqis, for Syrians, for Lebanese, for, for Yemenis, and so definitely has a much kind of stronger um, uh, role to play in any talks with Iran. I mean, I guess my concern uh, going forward is that is despite the kind of economic impact that sanctions have had on Iran, I don't necessarily see them backing down uh, without a way for them to not lose face. And I think that's going to be the difficult thing, is is finding that route for them to negotiate either through uh, intermediaries or directly with the US in a way that, that actually sees um, some sort of arrangement without them looking like they've capitulated. Because I don't see a situation where they're going to just um, agree to kind of completely reverse decades of, of um, regional policy. And... The sanctions are hurting. I mean, we've seen uh, from the Washington yeah. Post uh, uh, last week and a report that uh, Hezbollah's had to cut some of its salaries. Uh, its TV station Al Manar has not been getting a lot of advertisements uh, uh, either. So the sanctions are hurting. But one key word uh, that you mentioned that they want to see uh, to say face uh, and what uh, their foreign minister Zarif mentioned on Twitter: if you want to talk to us give us respect. Uh, So that element of respect and not threatening uh, uh, Iran uh, could be uh, something that could, you know, bring them to uh, negotiations because of the economic pressure. And key things to watch here as well is uh, what what is Oman uh, doing, Mm -hmm. for example. So despite Trump, uh, you know, denying that there are uh, back channels or negotiations, uh, efforts uh, with Iran, we've seen very interesting developments. Uh, For example, uh, you know, uh, last week, Pompeo calls uh, Sultan uh, Qaboos. Four days later, uh, Omani foreign minister is in uh, Tehran meeting uh, with its leadership. Uh, At the same time, we also saw the Swiss the, the president came on announced uh, last minute announcement to Washington uh, and uh, they're traditionally known to be, you know, the protector of uh, U.S. Mm-hmm. interests and a channel uh, to Iran. So at the same time that we're seeing all this escalation in, in, uh, in the Gulf, we're also seeing some uh, hints at uh, back channel uh, negotiations Definitely. that could lead to uh, some sort of meeting, some sort of dialogue, uh, if not now, maybe later, mm-hmm. uh, with Iran. I mean, another theory that you hear it here is uh, the Iranians are waiting the Trump administration out. Right. That, right. that maybe their bet is uh, that Trump would lose uh, in 2020. It feels like a long time to wait, though, uh, at the moment, given given the tension. 
It feels a long time uh, to wait, and uh, there are no guarantees that uh, the U.S. president is an incumbent. He's uh, he, he enters this election stronger than he did in uh, 2016. That he would lose, or that his if he ends up losing, that his successor uh, from the Democratic side would automatically go back to the uh, to the nuclear deal. Uh, so these are elements at uh, at play, uh, and we, we just have to see how how they develop in the coming weeks. Uh, we've also seen, you know, when Zarif was in New York, he talked about a possible uh, prisoner swap. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's definitely areas um, of communication and even places like Iraq have kind of uh, started to emerge as somewhere that has close ties with both sides um, historically, but also as possible mediators because the first time in years, a relative level of stability uh, and there isn't um, conflict. We've seen, we've seen um, barriers being taken down in um, Baghdad. We've seen the green zone opening up. These are things that haven't happened in years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Iraq really doesn't want a conflict because it's suddenly enjoying this um, this moment of uh, of stability. And I don't think any country, in uh, especially the smaller countries, the areas of conflict in the region, want to be caught in a U.S. Uh, Iran proxy uh, war. I mean, as you mentioned, uh, Iraq is just turning the page on uh, uh, on uh, five years of uh, uh, ISIS. And uh, the last thing they want now is to be dragged into another uh, conflict. However, at the same time, uh, the Iraqi government has to answer uh, to uh, to the international community, uh, to its own uh, security questions related to uh, Shia militias that have sprouted and are very uh, powerful. And uh, if, if they decide, you know, on a Saturday morning, they're going to fire uh, a missile at the green zone, they would do it and they would do it with uh, full impunity. Uh, so these are answers for uh, the government of Iraq if it does not want to be dragged into uh, a proxy conflict between U.S. and Iran, then it does have to rein in its own uh, elements and players of instability in, in the country. Definitely, definitely. I mean, what's interesting, actually, since the um, the, the rocket attack on, on the Green Zone um, just a few days ago is that, that actually several of the um, uh, militias have actually urged caution and, and said people this is not the right time for escalation. So it's also interesting to see some of these Iranian-backed forces also cautioning for calm in Iraq. So I think it's it's very telling that even they don't want to see an escalation. Uh, how that would play out if they got more explicit orders from Tehran, I'm not sure. We don't know yet. And the scale of the attacks is not out of the ordinary yet. Right. Uh, for example, we haven't seen any casualties. Uh, we've seen uh, that one rocket. So it's a calculated, calibrated uh, escalation uh, as you mentioned, um, but you know, as we've seen in, in the past and in, in the Middle East, even uh, a calculated escalation could could lead to uh, to war. Uh, as we were chatting before this, you know, the the Lebanon 2006 war is Absolutely. another 
uh, example for that. I don't think Hezbollah for, wanted for them. And, yeah. and uh, Hassan Nasrallah has said several times that could. if he knew that it would lead to the 2006 war, he would never have um, ordered the cross-border raid against the Israelis. And and you're absolutely right. You know, Iran is and its forces are very good at, at operating within these kind of red lines. And it knows quite uh, well how to send signals through escalation in the number of rocket strikes, for example, but also knows to make sure that they don't hit anything too important uh, that would lead to a massive response. Uh, but you're right, these miscalculations do happen uh, as the start of the 2006 war in Lebanon um, showed. Right. And what's different also in Washington this time around is you do have uh, people in the administration that uh, view uh, the problem with Iran as a problem with the regime uh, itself. For example, National Security Advisor John uh, Bolton. Uh, so it, well, when you take uh, that into account, even if uh, U.S. President Donald Trump does not seek uh, regime change in Iran, uh, pressure from his advisors, uh, along with uh, a miscalculation uh, on the ground, uh, could lead to uh, unwanted uh, escalation and dragging uh, the U.S. into uh, into a conflict. Uh, so we, we, we're, we're going to have to see how uh, all this plays out. Uh, however, the last, I think, this week, we've seen a little bit of uh, de-escalation. We've seen the U.S. Uh, uh, Defense uh, Secretary, the U.S. Defense Department, uh, say that their movement of ships uh, in the region is is, is going uh, unharmed. Uh, that it's uh, uh, it's more smooth in the last uh, few days. Uh, so that's a good sign. Less risk for conflict. We've mm-hmm. seen the uh, the UAE, uh, you know, uh, urging the uh, escalation uh, and waiting for for its investigation. We've seen a call for a summit. So this is all still a political uh, framework and uh, just a convergence around uh, the need to step back and de-escalate. Thanks to Joyce Kadam in Washington. This was Beyond the Headlines. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite podcasting apps. I've been your host, James Haynes-Young. Join us again next week 